You're listening to the BCTLE Podcast, a resource made possible by the BD Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence at Taylor University. I'm your host, Timothy Berkey. One of our anchor points here at Taylor is our focus on whole person education. I think amongst higher education, even Christian higher education, this focus helps to set Taylor apart. But I also think that it's really hard to teach when you don't know where your students are at, right? When you're teaching content in your discipline, one of the first things that you need to know is what do your students already know about this content? That way you're not rehashing old content. That way you're not starting too uh, advanced. I think the same is true for the rest of our whole person education. When we think about our student mental health, uh, in an upcoming episode of the podcast, we're going to be chatting with Scott Barrett and Kathy Chamberlain about student mental health and the idea of mental health first aid. Knowing where our students are at mentally, being able to notice things about changes in their behavior that may indicate um, concerns with their mental health. That's really important in order to be able to offer opportunities for, for coping with mental health concerns. So in order to teach, in order to educate the whole person with regard to our students' mental health, it's important to know where our students are at. Well, I think the same is true with our spiritual health. And one of the things that I was really interested in coming into this summer was thinking about how our campus, how our community uh, is doing in terms of our spiritual health. And there are lots of different ways that we can uh, try and and look at this. Um, But one of the things that I was curious about was from the perspective of the ways in which our community gathers together how how are we looking uh, what's a what's the temperature of our spiritual health over the last year um, uh, we haven't been able to meet together regularly in chapel and I have always been impressed by engagement in chapel and to not have that piece of the community where we're gathering together all of us every week and instead to you know be separated out and not be able to gather together as regularly um, I was curious uh, about um, what that might look like uh, in terms of our spiritual health so I had the opportunity to sit down with campus pastor John Cavanaugh recently to talk about what our community spiritual health looks like from our chapel stage and what he has noticed over the last year with regard to you know how we've been engaging with one another. We got into some interesting bits of the community and thinking about what purpose does chapel serve and how 
are we serving our students in their spiritual formation, but also thinking about how we as faculty engage in chapel. It was a great conversation, a conversation I'd love to invite you to be a part of. So here is my conversation with John Cavanaugh. Well, John, welcome to the BCTLE podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. John, I've been on campus for, uh, this is my fourth year now, and uh, I've seen you on campus. I think a lot of faculty uh, see you, whether it's in chapel or after chapel or in the student center, but this is the first time that we've actually gotten a chance to, to chat. Can you, for those of uh, who are listening who find themselves in a similar boat, who maybe haven't had a chance to chat with you before, what is your connection here at Taylor? I came here as a student. I transferred here. I went to Bowling Green State University for a little bit and then transferred here as a student. And that really was my uh, most significant and only exposure to Christian higher ed. I mean, I knew of a couple other schools, but I happened to know somebody that came here, came to Christ as a, uh, a high school student. Um and went from being a graphic design major to going into to Christian ed at the time or Christian ministries. I mean, since then, my life has been transformed. I've worked in Christian higher ed, kind of bounced back and forth between Christian higher ed and the church. This is, I'm actually starting my 15th year back here, which is uh, a little shocking to even say out loud. I think with my background between uh, Christian higher ed and residence life, as well as the church, the campus pastoral has, you know, been a, a a really good fit in that regard. Well, let's talk a little bit about campus pastor because uh, in the role that you are in now, uh, when I think about what that looks like, I'm seeing it from you know the chapel seat that I usually sit in. Yeah. Um, can you help me help our listeners think a little bit about? From a pastor's perspective, who who is your congregation, or is that even the right way of thinking about campus pastor? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it, it, this is it's not like a parish ministry um, because there's very few that would have that uh, mindset. Whether it would be our faculty, staff, uh, even students, you know, I, I I don't know if I would be motivated towards creating a dynamic where students would refer to me as like, oh, there's my pastor. You know, like in the same way that I think a local church pastor, um, that might be a real flattering thing to have, like that identity with my church, my congregation. Oh, there's my pastor. Uh, I don't really have the same thing here. It's, it's you know, it's much held much more loose. I've, I've said this up front, and I believe it wholeheartedly. Like I'm not the only person on this campus that's pastoral. Like we have incredibly pastoral people on our campus that are ministering to students and one another uh, within the context of classes, the athletic fields, you know, residence halls, all sorts of places. Um, my role being unique in that the connection to chapel. So the, the connection to chapel is obviously to, to, to steward that program in a way that is uh, spiritually beneficial or edifying for the community, which has been, you know, which is a bit of a moving target, you know, because when you've got, um, I mean, I tell people all the time, I've, I steward a program that is pretty well attended, 
Um, it, it has a level of importance culturally on campus, um, and everybody has an opinion about it. Chapel is two years worth of Sunday morning services in nine months with 48 hours in between. I don't know. I, I, I recognize we have chapel more often than church services on a Sunday. Right, right. But I don't think I connected the dots of two years worth of Sunday morning, if you Yeah, it's, a, it's about 100 services we plan for in nine months. How do you... You can get as, as deep into the logistics here as you want, but how do you do that? What, 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 where do you start? What's the goal? What's the focus? What's at the front of your mind as you're thinking two years of, of services, if you right, will? Right, right. Uh, I mean, mo- most of what I think about is the, the rhythm to the semester. Um, when I, and recognizing in, in all of what we do uh, for students, and I just explained this to a student I was talking with the other day who's here for internship stuff. We were talking about some of the stuff with discipleship and, and Julia Herlow, a colleague of mine that um, in student development. But the idea of the Taylor kind of being a spiritual formation buffet, that we can't force students to choose every thing in a time that we would want it. Um, I mean, in some ways we could set up a curricular approach, but it would, it would not be consistent with what we do with chapel in the sense that we talked about this chapel. I say this, if faculty are looking for language around chapel, when people will say, and it drives me a little batty when people say in admissions or whatever, and I, I think they're better about this. Oh, chapel's not required. Well, what, what I say is chapel is expected and accountability is through relationships. So if you are disconnected or you are with uh, your, your immediate community, your sphere of influence, is not one that chapel is a priority. Accountability is going to be pretty low. But in other, you know, for you and I, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm there all the time. But for you as a faculty member, what are the relationships you find your accountability for that? So that's the first step. The other step is, is what happens in there meaningful? You know, faculty, I think, are incredibly gracious because they, they know that it's not really aimed at them. It might be beneficial for them, it, but it's beneficial maybe for them personally. They might even be surprised a little bit that there's something that connects with them, like thoughtfully, spiritually engaging, topic-wise, whatever, but they wouldn't necessarily expect it. But the, but the big picture is recognizing that students have a responsibility in their own spiritual formation. It's not simply going to be spoon-fed to you or laid out that you have to do it. And chapel becomes one of, you know, a dozen or more places on campus where they might be forced to, like, thoughtfully examine their own spiritual or their own theological assumptions. Um, now, for the chapel program, it, it plays out as like, uh, did you like chapel today? Yes or no? You know, like, okay, move on. You know, but some of our best, um, chapel is one of the, the seven guiding principles is that chapel is collaborative. And while that means that we may have speakers or topics, you know, people, faculty, internal people may speak in chapel as a part of that. Part of what makes it collaborative, too, is the follow-up 
from chapel, the discussion, the questions, the processing, the even the accountability of, hey, what'd you guys, a professor saying, what'd you guys think about chapel at their 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock or one o'clock is a valuable piece of collaboration for a program that's campus-wide. We have heard increasingly hard statistics about our students' mental health. Yes. Um, it is a, it's not a new concern by no. any stretch of the imagination, but we are uh, seeing increasing numbers, mm-hmm. um, and that's really important yes. for us to, to be aware of and to understand how we can serve and care for our students. In uh-huh. fact, um, Scott Barrett and Kathy Chamberlain are uh, going to yeah. be on an episode of the podcast where we're talking about what is our scope as faculty yeah. in mental health. <clears throat> I want to pause for a second. Because while we are whole person focused, um, a huge part of what we care about is our students' spiritual health. Yeah, yeah. Can you share what you've noticed in the last year, year and a half in terms of maybe a a finger on our pulse uh, as a whether it's uh, specifically looking at students or the community as a whole? Have you noticed our spiritual health over the last year, year and a half? I mean, I think what I think what I notice in chapel is that there's certain topics or certain things that um, that might cause a student to become alarmed or concerned. I think it's more challenging today to talk about to identify a difficult topic. And talk about it well in a group of twelve or fifteen hundred people. Um, then it because some of those topics probably need to be addressed better in a smaller group where people feel known and have a chance to give feedback. And it's I mean some of the feedback we've gotten from chapel is like chapel needs to be more of a conversation. And that that flies against like the proclamation and response formula that um, you know kind of a public worship service would have. Um, but that's an interesting. And I think that's how people learn. That's how people process. It's a lot easier to sort through that than someone like just getting up in front and saying how it should be. You know, I wanted to create an environment where students feel like they can um, continue to pay attention. I still think we have students that are coming in curious um, and varying degrees, but curious about other ways to live out their faith. Um, some are very open to a space of reflection or a guided prayer, um, you know, singing a song that they don't know in a style that they don't know. Some are very open to that. Some are threatened by it. There's some of the, you know, but I also want to have our students be, I mean, I've said this with students, it's really important in higher education that we help develop a critical mind, but be careful not to have a critical spirit you know and so i think and i think we are teetering on that culturally within the church and institutionally like okay how do we have an open heart uh a desire a a a solid foundation and allow us to think critically about these things but not have a critical spirit about everything that is that is new to us i find in today's day and age it's a smaller window you can lose your audience trying to stir them up 
You know, and you see a lot of speakers come in and do that. They'll want to stir it up and say, all you rich white kids from the suburbs don't know this. When you know, And that can be where people are put on their heels when talking about a topic of, uh, of race or about socioeconomic stuff. There, there'll be like a pushback and assumption about who we are. And students have heard that. Faculty have heard that. Like, it's like they're... I don't need to be put on my heels. You've lost me because I've heard this multiple times. It's the same thing in the church about the, the doctrine of sin, you know, like incredibly important to recognize why is the atonement necessary? You know, like where's that? At? Yes. The doctrine of sin. But in our context, a lot of students have grown up in a Christian context and, and telling them that they're sinful. You would think it would engage them and stir them up emotionally, but they just kind of disengage. What we're talking about is difficult conversations. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Um, so I've I've got one for you. Um, yeah. We have heard from both uh, an outgoing president um, and provost this um, <laughs> repeated call for trust to be yeah. rebuilt in the community. I can think of specific faculty meetings where this has been talked about from. Uh, whether it was on Zoom this last year, but I remember us talking about the need to rebuild some trust in the community yeah. when we were meeting in Ospa. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this is a difficult conversation. Yeah. Um, have, have you seen this done well, this rebuilding of trust in a community like Taylor? I, I can think of times where, whether it's a, a sibling or my spouse, where... Yeah. We work on rebuilding trust yeah. individually, one-on-one, yeah. right? I don't know if I've seen it at this scale of a community working to rebuild trust. Have you seen yeah. that done well? Man, it's hard for me, and especially I've been here for the last, you know, 15 years. I was an undergraduate here. So there's a, there's a, there's a piece of me that is, like, institutionally blind because I'm connected, you know, Um because I've been here. And so like my view of, Oh, like this is how it is. Well, if you've been from other places, you might have better experience from that. One of the things is trying to get students or people to answer a question for themselves, not for what they think the room is saying. Right. You know, big difference. So, and I think that's where a lot of our trust needs to happen and needs to be rebuilt in individual people saying and and we'll we'll we're guilty of this of hey the faculty are saying my students feel i th-, you know versus i think which some of that trust may not have been breached but expectations may not have been met yeah. and so the interpretation is i don't trust this person this situation the circumstance like it's it's communicating a level that where they're not trustworthy but it really could be a fundamental difference in expectation. How do we, how, how should we think about this then of moving forward and whether it's trust or expectations or our identity and the various identities we could have here at Taylor, somebody with your longevity of time in the culture and the traditions here at Taylor, but also your unique perspective from guiding our chapel conversations yeah. into some of these difficult areas. Yeah. What's the next step? Well, here's the deal with with 
there's a lot of people that something's going on and their response is to suggest a chapel. And I'll be like, no, you should have a conversation with somebody about this. This happened a few years ago. I mean, I also don't think that you putting something on a blog that is like contrary to what I would share in chapel is the answer either. You know, like uh, this, I mean, this happened a few years ago with, with colleagues here where there was this like, well, why, why post this online when you can walk? We literally can walk down the hall, walk across the street. We have at our disposal. Uh, and I think that's where the trust needs to be built. You know, I think that needs to happen where there needs to be more, hey, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I said this or did this, you know, um, and I shouldn't have. I didn't understand it. Like, I mean, I think that's, I think when that is happening more on a relational level, uh, and some of that will be an agree to disagree. Because one of my biggest frustrations is if we don't do that as leaders on our campus, as faculty and staff, first, we're not modeling it well for our students. Second, what happens emotionally is we feel disconnected. And if we can't find it in colleagues, we find it in students. I mean, so to go back to your question is how do we build trust as an institution? I mean, I think where are spaces I do have involvement? What is, what is the ethos in that neighborhood amongst our you know, small town? I think there is an opportunity in front of us to exactly as as you've just laid out to have these conversations separate from the assumptions that we make, mm-hmm. right? Because I can read an opinion piece that somebody across campus has submitted to the Echo. And then that colors even how I begin to think about having a conversation with that person. Yeah. Right? So I think we do have this opportunity to to have these conversations, but to, to assume the best instead of assuming the worst from what we've heard, a, a single comment that they've made in a faculty meeting and then decide that's who this person is like you say this this singular data mm-hmm. point yeah <clears throat> there's a red thread in every episode of this podcast where we focus pretty intentionally on the integration of faith and learning right um, and uh, this summer um, there we're going to be talking about our mission statement as a university mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I don't want to assume the obvious, John. And I don't want to say what I think campus pastors fit is right, in right. developing servant leaders marked with the passion of ministry of Christ redemptive love and truth to a world in need. Nice work. Where do you see your fit, your role as campus pastor in this in this mission? of integrating faith and learning, of developing servant leaders. Where, where's, that, where's that fit for you, John? Well, and, that, and that's where I would say with, with chapel, I mean, we talked about the, 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 the challenge and support dynamic of those things. Um, 
recognizing that's a part of it uh, for our students is like, or you, you'll hear this with the local, like a, a, a pastor's role is to uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Never heard that. And so you think about the content of, of Scripture, and a lot of times it can be very challenging. Um, uh, I don't want to say... I don't want to say necessarily offended. I think that's the language people will go to when they are are convicted, feeling a level of conviction or that challenge or just the intensity of uh, a, a scriptural truth proclaimed. Um, and so I think in chapel, we are finding an atmosphere where, I mean, I am hoping to create a regular rhythm or routine for people. So that they come and they participate. So when the challenge happens for them individually, it doesn't feel as intense or doesn't feel as off-putting as uh, it might if that was the ex- if that was the whole of the experience. Okay. Um, now, our student body, our campus community is tremendously diverse on that. So I'm not quite sure what will be encouraging for somebody and what will be off-putting or challenging. Um, and hopefully I, I know our community enough to figure out how do I have a little bit of both, whomever you are. I mean, I, I've said this with Chapel that, you know, if, if any one person um, goes to Chapel and loves and connects with every chapel during the course of a semester, then we haven't done our job. Because that means that there's other people who haven't loved or connected with any of them. And so if you go, but if at the end of the semester, you appreciate and respect what we're doing in chapel and think of it for what it is, which it really is a a chance to kind of not, you know, within our capabilities, it's like visiting a bunch of different churches and ministries and hearing from a, a variety of people, you know, but it's really visiting a bunch of churches over the course of the semester that you would probably never put the time or energy into physically visiting because you're attending a church, right? And so for students, it's a part of this like sample size, you know, um, and I have this, I have this Pecha Kucha that I've done with people explaining, but one of the things is like me being aware that people Um, If I'm serving a meal, if I'm hosting a meal, me realizing like some people have preferences and some people have allergies. Now, I don't think every topic that we might approach in chapel is that extreme, but it it could be like, yeah, that's where it just becomes a little bit tricky recognizing that and where people are. But for most for a lot of chapel, the. The routine is a catalyst. Like, it's done in the way, and, and I think of this with uh, like a Malcolm Gladwell tipping points kind of thing. It's not quite like, oh, you do this, and all of a sudden, whatever, the tipping point, it explodes. But for our students, you mentioned earlier about people attending chapel, and there are people taking attendance, people, like, that's driving home a point. Mm-hmm. I didn't invent it. I inherited it. But stewarding this recognition that chapel is um for us it's expected but accountability is through relationships 
So when a student, I think it helps our level of engagement for the people that are in the room. Because in any, take any class you do, anything, well, you take 25% of the people that don't want to be there, scrape them off the top and have them exit. It's a different mood in the room. Right. We do that programmatically at chapel all the time, you know, where, hey, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here, you know? And so then it forces, like, that takes the discussion out of, like, oh, I have to go. And then it goes more to, like, and that's where the pressure of the program, I mean, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, much like a local pastor at, you know, on a Sunday morning, you know, I'm down in the front with a speaker, with a band or whatever at 9.30, 9.40, thinking, like, will they be here today? Like, this could be the day that nobody shows up. Like, we do, we actually do not have any protocol in place that prevents that from happening right so every monday wednesday and friday everybody could skip because you can't look around campus you can't look around campus and ask somebody have you ever skipped chapel and they'll say no i've never skipped it i've been to everyone so theoretically any monday wednesday or friday everybody that could be the day yes all the time now it doesn't happen and I could spend a lot of time and energy focusing, like hoping that 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 how do I prevent that from happening? But that I think my time is better spent. What do people want? What do people need? What's the what's the bump to the next thing? To the, the what's the level of encouragement they need? Do they you know? I mean, how do we? Where is campus at? How will people respond? Um, how do we do something right now that when students show up at class at eleven? They feel settled and engaged um, because it's the week before Thanksgiving or it's the week before finals or it's midterm. And so how do we how do we manage that content in a way that it's, you know, students aren't derailing? You know, if we're going to do challenging topics, what's the best time to do that? Who are the follow up people to have in place? How much do we need? How much is it a normal conversation? How much is it not? You know, I mean, those are things that that we have to think about because for us, our students come instead of being reminded every Monday, Wednesday and Friday as they swipe in and swipe out that they're not trusted. They're showing up. Um, I mean, I had, I mean, I not to make light of COVID stuff, but this spring for spiritual renewal, you know, we had limitations on our attendance numbers. And I think it was like, I don't know if it was 400 or 500 at the time for an evening service. And so I was out on the landing as students are coming in and, and it was, there was a great response for spiritual renewal in February. Um, and students were excited. They wanted to be back. And the evening services, we were less uh, specific about who would come to that, like that versus the rotations. It was a little trickier, but we just, we knew that we, we, we didn't anticipate 1,500 students showing up. Um, but we did, we, you know, we had the limit. Or, and I didn't, you know, we knew kind of generally, but, I had these students walking in. Music had started. They were coming in, and there's a group of six or seven guys, you know. And I made a joke where I was like, you know, I was like, four ninety nine, five hundred. Okay, you five can't come, you know. And like, and they all like froze, and were like this face of discouragement of like, oh, you know. And it was like we don't get to go to chapel, you know. And and I think of what a gift that is. That here's these guys, whatever they had, lunch, practice, or dinner, practice whatever, but they were kind of scrambling to get over to chapel for spiritual renewal. And so how do I, how do we continue to develop that and tell students, like affirm them in that, hey, you students that 
during February and March were sneaking into chapel. Uh, you know, I mean, there were students that I saw that I knew where they lived. I know where they live on campus. I know it's not their day. And like we lock eyes at chapel and they're like caught, you know, and it's like, where are we that you feel like you're sneaking, you know, like, and that's where I'm like, hey, keep your space. You know, it's good to see you. How are you doing? What a because, gift. Right. And, and, and that's where I think, okay, how do I, how do I not screw that up? You know, if that, if that exists in our students, which I don't think it exists in all of them or our faculty or staff or all people that go to church, whatever. But man, there's a bunch of students that, uh, that want to go and they want to worship and they want to worship. They want to you know hear scripture. They want to engage in topics. Like they want to be together. They want to do that together. They want to discuss it afterwards. Like, okay, how do we keep that going in a way that, and reminds them, this is a good part of you that, is evidence of the Holy Spirit working. You know, I don't need to think that most of you is disobedient and sinful and doesn't desire to honor God. And I need to recognize that, hey, you're growing and learning. And here's a person that, you know, I mean, some of the students that I love to talk to the most are the ones that like, well, I didn't really go to chapel last semester. You know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm flattered by... Mm-hmm. And I did this as a hall director. I'm flattered by faculty colleagues that when they're talking to students and students are in a tough spot, will ask them, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? What's happening? Oh, you're skipping classes. You're missing assignments. You're way behind. You're, you're not showering. Like all these things that are very obvious, like you're in a tough spot. That, that faculty and colleagues will say, how are you doing? What's going on? Tell me about your, your routine." You know, and one of the things that will come up is like, hey, are you going to chapel? You know, and not because you need to go there to make sure that you can check this off your spiritual list. But like, hey, this is a program that's set up for you to feel a level of spiritual edification. And the process of doing that with one another, with a handful of people on your wing or floor, it's really a valuable rhythm to get into. And but, you know we don't have that conversation if we don't go, you know? So if a faculty member doesn't ever, and it doesn't mean the faculty need to be there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they're juggling responsibilities like everybody else. But it's like, you know, to say to students, Hey, I go on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I don't on Fridays or vice versa. Or on those days I listen to it while I'm getting caught up on emails or grading or whatever. Like, you know, if, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, not last year, but there's faculty that they show up at, Ten after, quarter after, because they don't, you know, they're wrapping up stuff from their nine o'clock class. They don't really need to hear the music. Like that doesn't do it for them, which I totally get, you know. Um, and yeah, and so they come in, but they are connected. And you know, it just helps having that conversation because it is for a lot of our students who don't meaningfully engage in the local church as much as they should. Um, it's a convenient place for that corporate worship setting for them. And so, you know, students vote with their feet. You know, it doesn't mean, I'm, uh, you know, it doesn't mean I'm always asking them, hey, what do you want? Besides, even if I did, even if I, I sent out a survey, like, you know, I mean, I, I've literally had people after a chapel, somebody tell me, you know, in a, how could you have that person speak at chapel? Very frustrated. Mm-hmm. And 30 seconds later, I had somebody else say, that person was amazing. 
I'm so thankful that that person was able to be here because you know in, in chapel the the message the messenger is the message lots of times it's part of why I mean my budget's not such that I could have Tim Tebow and Louis Giglio and Tony Evans speak at every chapel but students wouldn't value that because there's times when and this is where having faculty and staff internal people share is more meaningful for them because for a student to hear a faculty or staff member share or teach or whatever and then have you know uh, a class with them is really you know that's the relational connection of like you know um, yeah so that's we're trying to find who are those um, kind of messengers that we want to model for our institution as i mentioned john this podcast is about making connections across campus and having a conversation so i just want to say thanks for being a part of the conversation today thank you yeah i i think um i i think we need to be better at um institutionally inviting like i think that's some of the trust piece um, I get a chance to invite people in to share in chapel. It's a lot more challenging than it, I think it maybe has been historically because of like the, it's good for me because, you know, faculty, staff, they get a chance to share and they get real stressed about it and they freak out and then they realize like, oh, that helps, that uh, cultivates some level of sensitivity in me as I hear other people that are up there. Um, but it's also, for us how do we do that well like inviting and so i say that to kind of say hey if inviting me into a space if you think it would be helpful even just like i get to know you um that's much easier to put on my calendar than to show up to a communications departmental meeting and be like i just thought i'd hang out like you know i mean and that's where uh, you know i mean I, I don't know how old, i'm hopeful for this year being back into like colleagues college regular faculty meetings all those things and it's even in one of my my goals this year it's like okay who are the faculty that i don't know and how do i take a uh, an appropriate role of leadership and initiate with them in a way that um you know uh, would be beneficial for us so so i'm thankful for your uh invitation to be a part of this and hopefully it's it's good for faculty or staff but yeah if anybody wants to talk about chapel or other things, I'm always, I'm always up for it. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. If you're looking for more ways to get connected with the BCTLE podcast, maybe you're looking for BCTLE session content, or maybe you're trying to find resources to help you develop your classes, or maybe you have some ideas about uh, who should be a part of the conversation next. Email us at bctlepodcast at taylor.edu. At the BCTLE, our mission is to encourage and equip our faculty in their calling as teachers, their care for students, and their designs for learning. We see and appreciate everything you are doing to connect with your students to create incredible learning opportunities for them. We hope that this podcast has encouraged and equipped you to help make Monday just a little bit better.